We are here in our spring fundraising drive, and joining me in the studio is 3rd District Supervisor John Hoschak. Hey, John. Hey, good afternoon. Great the, to be here. It's so great to have you, and you've come in to help us with our fundraising drive. Why would you come into Philo on a beautiful day like this to help with KZYX's fundraising drive? Well, it was a beautiful drive over here, and KZYX is such an important part of our community. It gets the information out to the county, and I think um, the job that's being done of providing that information to everyone, whether it's you know about the COVID epidemic or about what's happening at the Board of Supervisors or local news, it's all very important um, part of the community. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for recognizing that and for being here to support it, and we can, we are grateful to you for that. Um, we are about to have our Friday afternoon local coronavirus update. We have patiently standing by Dr. Andy Corin, our public health officer here in Mendocino County, and Becky Emery, who is the Department Operations Center manager, who has been just doing the heavy lifting in all of the practicalities of our county's response to the coronavirus pandemic and they're both here to give you the very latest pandemic information for mendocino county including uh, upcoming vaccination clinics testing information and they're going to stay on the line uh, for you to call in with your questions about the pandemic and if you listen to kzyx you know that we've been doing this regularly since march of 2020 <laughs> we're going we're in month 13 of this regular programming for the for the pandemic and our goal is to give you good trustworthy uh information that you can rely on to make decisions to keep yourself and your family safe and we're going to do that again today with dr corin and becky emery and i'm so glad that dr corin and becky emery are here that they are they have been working tirelessly for the forever on this and so you know my deepest appreciation for what they've been doing and thank you for kzyx for providing this information to the community and you know this i was just talking with alicia earlier about you know the spanish programs that dr corin's doing that are being provided to the community for the spanish-speaking community and that's very important to me so thank you very much. KZYX.org, if you value these coronavirus updates, now's the time to show your support. And with that, I would like to turn it over to Dr. Corin and Becky Emery to let us know the very latest about what's happening with the coronavirus in the county. Hey, Dr. Corin. Hi. Welcome. Good to be here. Hope you make lots of money this week. Thank you. You need it. You've been doing a lot of service for our community. It's great. So I'll just uh, just give a little bit of background so people know where we're at here. Um, we're actually hasn't haven't changed that much. However, our average daily new cases is down nice and low. Uh, yesterday it was down to 1.94. Today it's up a little tiny bit more. Um, our seven-day test positivity rate is 1.4%. Uh, our total cases hasn't changed that much. We have 23 people with isolation. You know, isolation and 23 quarantined, still only 47 of our um, of our community members have passed away. I shouldn't say only, they're valuable members of our community and we've lost them to this terrible pandemic. Uh, in the Hispanic community, it's 14 uh, of our uh, Hispanic uh, citizens have passed away. We only have one person in the hospital as I understand it today. And uh, in order to keep this information up to date, it really depends on people testing. Our testing has decreased uh, a lot in the last several months. I think since the vaccines have come in, perhaps many people feel it's not necessary to test, but it is necessary to test because there are variants out there. And also, even if there are just one or two cases, that can spread to families and friends and workplaces and become a, uh, an outbreak that we could control so much easier if we knew that there was a positive case in the community beforehand. So let me just go through what testing available uh, of uh, available sites and times there are. At the Ukiah Fairgrounds, every Saturday through Thursday from 9 to 5 p.m., we have testing. And at Fort Bragg, we have testing on Tuesdays from 9 to 5 at the Vets Hall. And then we have a traveling team that goes to two places every Friday. 
and Becky, you could help me with uh, which Friday we're on now. Do you know which that is? Is that something to look up? It's also a great time for anybody to call for a donation, but certainly uh, we are testing today in, Mendoza, in Mendocino County in Round Valley this morning from 9 to 2, or excuse me, 9 to noon, and then from 2 to 5 at Harris Senior Center in Willits. Great. So that's where we are. And then periodically, Consolidated Tribal Health also has uh, testing available. Um, and uh, so I'll leave that subject for now. Um, if there's other questions, I'll be happy to answer them. Great. Well, yeah. Can you tell us about the the vaccination opportunities this week, and also how vaccination is going? What's our What are our numbers in the county? It's been a week since oh. since we got a report. I'm hoping it's like way up. <laughs> Let me dial down to that. I got it right here for you. Um, so we have vaccinated in our community over sixty six thousand. 973 doses. That's how many has been uh, given so far. That is 39,775 people have had at least one dose. That's 56.6% of our population over 16 years old. And 43.3% of our population are fully vaccinated. And that's compared to California, 29%. So we're doing very, very well. Um, and uh, let's see... We have also been uh, sure to do this in an equitable way so that 58.5% of the people in the lowest resourced zip codes have been vaccinated in Mendocino County, and that's compared to 45% in California. So we're, we're way out in front, you know, with a lot of, a lot of, than a lot of the counties anyway. And then a, a large number of our state and our county is Hispanic. And they have recently re-looked at how they're counting those Hispanic um, uh, vaccines, you know, the vaccines that go to Hispanic people and also the, the numbers of Hispanic people who are vaccinated. And this is the first time I'm getting my hands on this data. 29% of the Hispanic people in our community have been partially vaccinated. And that's compared to California, 23.3%. Uh, so in the past, I've been reporting in the range of 16, 17%. That was the percentage of vaccines that went to that community. Now I'm talking about the numbers in that community who are actually vaccinated, which is really a step forward. It's, it's very good. Yeah, that was a little bit challenging to understand when the percentages were coming out. I wasn't sure. So it was 16% of the total vaccines had gone to Latinos, but it's actually in our community, 29% of Latinos in our community have had at least one shot. Correct. And, That's uh, a nice jump. Right, and it is uh, better than the state in terms of the percentage of the community. So uh, I know you've been doing putting a lot of energy into uh, communicating with getting information out and getting vaccines out to Spanish-speaking community members here. Can you talk a little bit about what you've done in particular to reach that community and to get that number as high as it is? Well, as uh, Supervisor Haschak mentioned, I've been... Uh, having um, presentations on KZYX uh, with Al Punto and also uh, on Monday mornings with Mendo Latino. So a lot of questions that people have, um, they haven't had a chance to ask them and get them answered in Spanish. And while my Spanish isn't perfect, I've been trying and we're reaching out. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, there's many people who do call in and they're very interested in that information. But also we've been working uh, at least since January with uh, Promotorets, which is a, a group that um, uh, we have on contract. It's, it's a pilot program of community, uh, uh, community workers uh, who are uh, bicultural, they're, they're Hispanic, and they have been doing an enormous amount of just door-to-door -door work out in the community, working with, um, with store owners, getting uh, some of their leaflets out, some of the other leaflets out, passing out masks and so on and so forth and educating the community, answering questions, helping them to make appointments for um, testing and helping them to make appointments now for the vaccine. So that's another thing. Uh, NCO uh, has helped us, North Coast Opportunities, in many, many ways. Um, and uh, UVA, the, um, the uh, Ukaivans, uh, let me see if I can say it correctly. Ukaivans, uh, uh, 
now I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm you done. You Destinos and Axion, right? <laughs> Thank you. Gracias. <laughs> anyway, they've been doing a lot of work in the Ukiah area. And, uh, you know, and we have uh, in, our, in our community, uh, for example, at Mendocino Coast Clinic and at Anderson Valley Clinic, uh, people, a lot of people who, who are the providers there and administrators, nurses and so on who are Spanish speaking and, and having them, you know, talk to their communities and their neighbors and, and get people in for it. So a lot of emphasis has been on that. And then getting the word out through um, social media. And not only the radio, but social media and um, also paper. We're trying to also uh, get more paper products out because many people are not familiar uh, with uh, YouTube and Facebook. And so it's important to reach that community. Uh, actually, it's important to reach the entire community because there's a lot of non-Hispanics who can't get online and do a lot of things either in our community. So. So we want to make sure to reach out. Yeah, uh, in those that's days. absolutely true. Well, that's terrific. Can we go ahead and announce, um, Becky, do you have a list of the upcoming vaccine events in the in the coming week? I know that's something that people really depend on us for is to can bring that information. And it kind of changes. It has been changing. Um, and part of the thing is the fluctuating amount of vaccine doses that we have received from the state. So um, can you let us know how that's going? Um, do, are we getting, are we still continuing to get adequate numbers of vaccine doses? It sounds like our numbers are continuing to rise in the, in the thousands. So our, our numbers are continuing to rise. The team is doing a phenomenal job of uh, administering vaccines throughout Mendocino County. Uh, and again, the efforts of, of our partners. We could not do this without all of our community partners, uh, the hospitals, the clinics, um, our partners that let us use their sites for, for events, the fairgrounds. Uh, a tremendous support has been the Redwood Empire Fairgrounds and the Boonville Fairground. Uh, amazing partnerships throughout Mendocino County to uh, do the testing first uh, as we started this and, and now the vaccines. Um, as to the vaccine sites, I know that Dr. Corrin has gotten a list of those. Uh, so I'm actually going to defer to him uh, for those locations and those events in the upcoming week um, and also to give us additional updates and information there uh, as we are transitioning in our roles. Thank you. Yeah, I think this is the first time Becky's asked me to help. It's usually the other way around. I know, my but jaw I'm dropped. Happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to help if you need it. So. Okay, great. So the clinics this week, let's just go through this. Uh, county events. Um, on Wednesday, the 28th, uh, we're going to be giving vaccines at the Laytonville High School, Leggett, and Whitehorn. Those are Pfizer vaccines because what we're trying to do is um, is um, reach out to students between 16 and 18 and get them and their families to come in and get vaccinated. On Thursday, the 29th, uh, there are going to be second doses. And Friday, the 30th, Moderna first doses. And then on Saturday, May 1st, we're going to do a large vaccine offering at the high school, Ukiah High School, and that'll be, again, Pfizer. Uh, as far as the community clinics go, I just a couple of hours, got off the phone with all the clinics. Our partners have a meeting. And uh, most of these appointments are by invitation uh, and during routine appointments, but you do not have to be restricted. It's not restricted to their patients. They just want an appointment so they know how many are coming in. Uh, MCHC, the clinic here in Ukiah, uh, is depending upon Johnson & Johnson vaccines. And, of course, that's been on pause. Um, my understanding now is that probably the CDC and FDA has decided that they're taking that out of the pause stage. I think it's safe. And I'll see what the CDPH, the California Department of Public Health, says. And I'm sure that as soon as uh, that can be released, that Mendocino Community Health Clinics will begin to have uh, their uh, clinics with Johnson & Johnson. And they also do it um, as part of their appointment, which is great. A lot of our clinics are starting to offer appointments as part of your routine clinics. Beto Clinic on April 30th, by appointment again, a second dose Pfizer. Um, Long Valley Health that's Center in Willis, is regular. Right? Pardon? That's Bechtel Creek Clinic is in Willis. In Willis, yeah. Okay. Sorry. In uh, Long Valley Health Center, regularly offers um, appointments on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And an exception is this Friday, the 30th, they're giving second dose Pfizer's 
and that'll be their last second dose Pfizer's. Uh, but they've given the first dose, so they want to make sure that everybody who's gotten a first dose gets a second dose. Um, on the 23rd, uh, later this uh, or early next, no, today, uh, Mendocino Coast Clinic is giving a first dose Pfizer clinic. And on the 24th and 25th, first dose Pfizer and some Moderna. And possibly, depends on how many they have, on April 30th, they'll have Moderna available. Uh, RCMS, uh, south on the coast, um, on the 23rd today is giving Moderna second dose. And on the 26th, first dose Pfizer's are planned. And Anderson Valley Health Center on the 29th is planning to have first and second dose Moderna available. So we've got a lot of clinics. And that's what Becky was saying. Without our partners, we could not do what we're doing. And this, uh, we've really been able to come together throughout the county uh, to meet this pandemic head on. Well, I talked with MCC, Mendocino's Coast Clinics, today about the event that's happening now. Um, and they suggested to just call them and get on the list and they'll call you. So it's uh, it does seem like it's much more accessible than it ever has been to get these vaccines. And their number is Four nine six four, sorry nine six four one two five one. Call, get on the list, and they'll call you when they have one of these events. So, Doctor Corin, I have a question for you. If you're ready, yes, that, that you, I'm always ready. Okay, I know <laughs> that you're you're talking a lot with the state and regional partners and other health officers. Um, I was just on a call with um, the. California State Association of Counties, and a lot of people, different counties, were expressing that they had really reluctant people to take the vaccine at this point, and they had more vaccines than people would take, you know, that they were having to really convince people to take them. Do you see that happening in Mendocino County? Is that an issue here at all? You know, I think all of us are seeing that as we are able to distribute the vaccines to more and more people, there's always groups of people who are very willing and anxious to start right off. And there's those who are want to wait a little bit and some people who are downright against. And this is almost anything, um, not only vaccines. It's like the place drive. Yeah, be a, an early adopter here of the pledge drive right. so we can get raise some money. Nice segue, Supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, there there was initially a lot of uptake, um, and now we're seeing uh, people not filling the appointments as quickly. And part of that is because some people feel like, oh, it's not my turn. I'd like to have other people who are higher on the priority to get it. Or I want to see other people who've gotten it and they don't have side effects because side effects has been an issue for some people. Um, and now, of course, with the Johnson & Johnson one-shot vaccine being paused for a while because of concern of side effects, that has also put a damper on some people's enthusiasm. But I think what's coming up is that we're seeing that with more people vaccinated, the numbers of uh, cases are going way down and our restrictions in activities in the community are are going down and what's what we're what we're trying to encourage people to do is get vaccinated so that more people can go for example to a to a reunion to a to a a, um, a gathering at people's homes or to a um, or to an event a, a uh, you know an invitational kind of event or an outdoor event or to the rodeo or to the racetracks and if everybody is vaccinated or has their their uh, tests more, there's, a, there's a greater capacity that can come in and be safe. So there's reasons that people have their hesitancy. We've called it hesitancy. Um, and we're trying to get over that. Some of that is just being educated. And some of the best education is uh, a trusted person who says, you know, I got it and it didn't hurt me. And I think it's safer. And of course, the other thing is it's going to be safer for the families and it's safer for the whole community. And that's the message that we're trying to get out now, and it'll take some time. We don't expect it to all go, you know, overnight, be vaccinated overnight. So we're at that, we're at a slightly different phase than we were a couple of months ago. Very good. 
Let's uh, well, let's just remind listeners, uh, this is the local coronavirus update for Friday. Friday is when we focus on the county's response to the coronavirus pandemic. And thankfully, we have a public health officer and uh, DOC manager who are willing to come on the air and open themselves up to listener questions every week, every other week or so, and give us that regular information, which has been so vital to folks uh, throughout this crazy year. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio and on the Zoom. We have with us Dr. Andy Corin, our public health officer, and Becky Emery, our tireless DOC manager, who is in her last day on the job as the DOC manager. So I definitely want to celebrate you for the amazing work that you've done and the transition that you're now in. I want to ask you a little bit more about that. And here in the studio with me is our third district supervisor, John Haschak, who's here to help with our flash drive, our on-air fundraising drive. So, and also, of course, be part of this conversation about Mendocino County's response to the pandemic. We are going to open up the phone lines in just a few minutes, but First, I want to touch on a couple more issues, and uh, the next issue I'd like to ask you about, Dr. Corin, is the breakthrough cases in Mendocino. Last week, we had had 16 uh, people who had been fully vaccinated, two weeks past their second shot, and yet still tested positive for the virus, and while that sounds maybe scary it's actually very few people for the number of people who have been vaccinated in this community so i wonder if you can bring us up to date have you found any more of those breakthrough cases they're calling them people who are vaccinated who still get the virus and what sort of state how people have done who've been vaccinated and gotten the virus if there's been any serious illness uh, or of course there hasn't been any further death but you know how people have done Good questions, all of them. So remember that it's very unusual for anything we do, testing or treating, to be 100%. And when we, uh, when the vaccines were originally given emergency use authorization, the highest efficacy uh, for the um, Moderna and Pfizer was 95% effective. That means some people out of that 100, five people were expected to have some infection. And so that's really what a breakthrough is. You've had, an, you've had your vaccine, and in this case, you've had two vaccines. Two weeks have passed, and then you get infected anyway. Well, it turns out in our county, we did find uh, 16 of those cases. They were, they were almost evenly distributed between Pfizer and Moderna. And the interesting thing and the important thing to remember is that even though it happened in a, in a community of vulnerable individuals, None of them wound up in the hospital. None of them died. So even though there was a breakthrough infection, the effect of the of the vaccines was very good. It, it, it saved their lives. Um, we have not had any more uh, breakthroughs that have come to my attention um, in this county. Uh, the, the number, just to give you a sense, is less than 3 in 10,000 that have broken through so it's a very small number and we're you know we're happy it's that low we don't want it to be more but it it says again that these vaccines are very effective and they're very safe so let's get vaccinated and one of the questions that came up uh during the show on monday was uh, a caller wanted to know how you found these cases why were these people tested uh post vaccination and and how you discovered these these 16 cases well, you know, we encourage getting tested even after vaccines. The vaccines don't change the the, uh, the result of the test, but we do know there are going to be some breakthroughs. And um, again, even if a person is vaccinated, if they do get it, they could pass it on to other people who are not vaccinated. So we continue to encourage people to be tested. In this particular case, this this was these were associated with an outbreak. At a skilled nursing facility, and uh, and the uh, the illness was brought in by unvaccinated uh, staff people spread around, and then there was a whole you know we always do a surveillance of the entire community in a nursing home when there's a when there's a uh, several people who are infected. So that's how we came upon these. We're all the initial one, Dr. Corn, uh-huh. but as you had shared before, we did have um, some that had tested at OptumServe for various reasons because we've encouraged continued testing. 
uh, and then also uh, some, I believe there were a few that went to the hospital and got tested uh, because they had other uh, things that they were doing, uh, be it surgery or uh, other factors that they were going to the hospital for and happened to get tested and came back positive. Okay, so that, so when you talked last week about the I think you said it was eight people who were at the congregate care facilities, the um, Mountain View and Ukiah Post-Acute, and then the other eight were people who were who were discovered just in the Optum server in the hospital? Yeah, I don't know the, the specific breakdown of numbers, but yeah, there were some, most of them were found, I believe, at the nursing home, and then some were picked up in other ways as well. Wow, but no serious illness? No. Amazing. All right. Well, um, then let's turn to Becky Emery and this your last day on the job at the DOC. We're going to miss you. <laughs> you are all like, it is. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm on the last. I was on mute of all things. <laughs> I know. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. It has been. Um, it really has been an amazing year when I look back at everything. And today is not only is it my last day, but it is the uh, one year, 365 days that we have had our Department Operations Center open. Uh, today is the one-year uh, point for that. Tomorrow will be one year and one day again. Uh, we opened birthday. originally on April 24th. Wow. Well, and talk about what the DOC does. You know, what's the role of the DOC and how you, uh, what you've accomplished over this one year? Sure. Uh, our Department Operations Center does a myriad of things, uh, starting with testing. You know, that's how we first find this virus. And we've been working with that throughout the entire year in partnership with um, the state through the OptumServe testing, uh, with Consolidated Tribal Health for various testing events. And we've coordinated those and we've had a really great team first by contract and then many that we've hired in. Uh, in Mendocino County, we've administered over 70,000 tests in Mendocino alone. And that's, you know, working with the hospital and the partners. So that's a, an immense amount when you think about that. 52 weeks, 70,000 tests. And a year ago at this point, we weren't even testing yet. That's right. So, it did. So, it, it like it took so long to get the testing up and running for all those different good and bad reasons. It was yeah. just such a struggle. All those original tests were through the clinics and hospitals only. So 70,000 tests has been amazing. When was uh, our first case here in Mendocino County? Our first positive. When was our first positive case in Mendocino County? Do you remember? No, I'm really um, throwing the trivia. I will have that for you before we're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, additionally, you know, in our DOC, we do track all of those positive individuals. And so tracking that and gathering all of that data and putting it all together and being able to share it through great events like KZYX and uh, currently encouraging people to sponsor and support KZYX so that we can continue this information uh, has been a huge piece of that. Uh, but our dashboard and social media, so we've been updating that. That's all done through our DOC and the work of our great team uh, so that people are able to see how we're doing in Mendocino County. Uh, but also also tracking, you know, so that we can see how we're doing and how that response looks and being able to look forward. Uh, one of the other things I would say that our DOC has done that has been really key is helping to implement the new CalConnect system that helps us track under just under 4,000 people that have tested positive in Mendocino County, not to mention those quarantines and linking those so that we can then determine outbreaks, we can work with all of our partners in our community, um, the businesses and all of those kinds of things to you know, go through their reopening plans to help them put best practices in place and talk about sanitizing all of those pieces. You know, As we've talked about the, the almost, I think, 20 outbreaks that we've had over the year in various ways and places. So I will tell you, Alicia, anybody that calls in right now, I will match their donation uh, up to what? $50. I will match their donation Wonderful. up to $50, uh, be, you know, because it's been a tremendous community partnership and collaboration. Oh, that is terrific. Thank you, so Becky. You That's tell amazing. me when it is, and I will I will match it. Okay, terrific. So that number is 895-2233 to call in. That is really, really sweet of you. Thank you, Becky. And Absolutely. if I could just add, Becky Emery has been at this from day one, and, you know, we've overcome so many hurdles in this county to get this 
program and deal with the epidemic like we are, that it's really a testament to to Becky, to Dr. Corn, and the whole team that they've assembled because it's a it's many many people who are working on this very hard, and these are the beautiful faces that we see with it. But um, thank you very much because I remember when we were trying to get OptumServe up and running, and that was a very difficult lift. And right. and to get to that point of unknowns, to and nothing, you know, to where we are now, where we're kind of looking at trying to get to the yellow tier and open things up more. It's very, it's a testament to your hard work, all of yours. And you and your teams. So. Well, it has certainly been a team, and it's not anything I've done alone or on my own. We have had a phenomenal group effort uh, with support from our board, with absolutely under the direction of our incident commander, CEO Carmel Angelo, and uh, our amazing health officers, Dr. Corin now, Dr. Duhan uh, previously, uh, and, and continued that effort. Um, you know, some of the other things we've done is 108 people that we have uh, helped in isolation and quarantine directly throughout this event. Uh, and um, certainly, last but not least, at this point, is more than 64,000 vaccines distributed in Mendocino County, as Dr. Corin shared, and really helping us move forward. I don't think we'll ever be back to the way things were. We will move forward because we've lost 47 people in our community that mean so much to all of us. And so certainly it has been a tremendous response, a tremendous effort. And Alicia, I am proud of the work that the team has done and all that has been accomplished in all of the collaborations and partnership in Mendocino County. And, and we have not done it alone. It has been every single one of us, including you. So thank you. Well, thanks. And I'm sure it was not on anybody's calendar. I'm sure this was not in the plans for 2020 and 2021 to completely restructure everything in the county to focus on the coronavirus pandemic. So uh, from zero to 70,000 tests in 365 days. Not bad, Becky. <laughs> and I want to thank you. Thank you so much. And so tell us about who's coming in to manage the DOC. So the DOC is going to be in fantastic hands. Uh, our next uh, DOC manager is Trey Strickland. Trey has been in the DOC clear back as I was when it was an EOC in our emergency operations. He has been in the planning section, really looking forward and seeing how things are happening and had a really great insight as we have moved forward. He is also our environmental health director for Mendocino County and been with us for a very long time uh, and really has a good grasp on the businesses and researching those those different pieces. He was the first person to go out on one of our outbreaks with one of our local businesses to walk through their plans and help them develop really good solid plans to be able to reopen and move forward. And uh, so Trey is going to be taking on the role of the, the DOC manager. Uh, it couldn't be in better hands. He's really and truly uh, been with it the entire time, knows it forwards and backwards, and uh, really cares about uh, Mendocino County, as all of us do, and wants to make sure that he continues to see us move forward and progress and do it safely. All right. Well, we look forward to having him here on KZYX during these updates. Let's take just a moment to remind listeners that we are here in our spring fundraising drive. This is the local coronavirus update, our Friday update, which we like to invite the county on the air to give us the latest on the county's response to the pandemic and also open up the phone lines so that you can call your county representatives uh, directly and ask them questions because I don't know anywhere else where that is a thing that that listeners have access to or that, that our county residents are able to do, especially in the pandemic when all the public meetings have been shut down and have migrated over to the internet. So uh, I think this is a very special thing that we offer here on KZYX in partnership with uh, with our county folks, our hardworking county pandemic responders. And if you appreciate it, if you've made use of it, if you value it, now's the time to throw down a little money to support it because that's that's one of the main things that keeps us able to do this we got to pay for all of the resources that it takes to keep the radio station on the air and supervisor hashak you're here to help convince people to make that call well i think it's so important that we support our public radio station and here we are you know we're asking you to join today if you're new join up 
you know, this is a great time, and this is where you're going to get that information to make you, you know, connect more with the community, whether it's through this pandemic or through the politics or through the environmental movement or whatever it is. You know, this is a connector of our community. So please join today. Go online and make a pledge at kzyx.org. So, should we open Alicia, up? Yes, Dr. Let Warren. Let me add another $50 um, matching. Okay, cool. Uh, and we'll get in a bidding war here. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so we've got a hundred dollars matching matching pledge from Dr. Andy Corn and Becky Emery combined. Wow, that is an offer. And I hope that they're listening out there at Pledge Central and can add that to our total. We have a five hundred dollar show goal, and so far we're up to almost half, two hundred and forty dollars. I think. From from the response that we've gotten from all of you, I know you're listening to the show and I know you value it. So it'd be great to give it a little vote of confidence. Let let everybody know how much you care about this programming and then double your money. If you call in with a hundred dollar pledge, your pledge will be doubled. Uh, that would be wonderful. KZYX.org. Thank you. And now let's open up the phone lines because that's really what what we're here for is to provide that access to our listeners and this this good information. 895 what is it now? 2448 is the online number. 895-2448 to call in uh, if you have a question about the coronavirus pandemic, the local response, testing, vaccine opportunities, uh, any questions about the vaccine itself. Dr. Corin uh, can answer uh, any of your questions about concerns about the vaccine or any other medical issues that you're concerned about with the pandemic. 895 uh, 2448 is the number to call in on air and uh, talk directly with Dr. Andy Corin or with Becky Emery, our last day of the DOC manager, but both of them are a wealth of knowledge about the community or about the county's response. And we also have, I mean, don't sneeze at that, uh, Supervisor Haschak is here in the studio as well and can answer your questions. Um, so it's kind of an embarrassment of riches here in terms of uh, county representation here in KZYX and really says a lot about uh, KZYX's role in the community right now and, and how uh, you have access directly to the people who represent you and who work to uh give you access to vaccines and the latest public health information. And if it's not a vaccine, it's, um, you know, information on wildfires, which people throughout the county have relied on. It's this drought situation we're facing right now and the declaration of a emergency for the drought that the governor just did and the Board of Supervisors um, voted in the declaration on Tuesday. The governor was at Lake Mendocino on Wednesday. And now we have Dr. Corin and Becky Emery to talk about the pandemic. So here we are with the information that you need. So that's KZYX. And if you're going to donate, now's the time. You can go online to kzyx.org. And Supervisor Haschak is here to help with our on-air fundraising efforts. And we do have a caller. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Hi. I didn't realize that was a possibility. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Did you want to be live on the air? Sure, that's great. Okay. Do you have a question for Dr. Corin or for Supervisor Hashak? I do not, actually. I just wanted to donate to the drive. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Very good. Thank you. I'm so sorry. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's a little confusing when we're like, call in and ask a question. Oh, and also call in to donate. Okay, I yeah. appreciate that. Thank Thanks. you so much. It's Can I ask a question really quickly? Yes, please. Um, <clears throat> has the age requirement uh, subsided now for vaccinations? Um, I'm not sure if I qualify or where to find out how I, if I qualify for a vaccine. I am unvaccinated. Good question. There is no age criteria at this point, except that... Uh, uh, Kids under 16 years old do not have a vaccine that's safe. So that's coming. We hope uh, at the end of the summer, Pfizer has already put in an emergency use authorization uh, for uh, children between 12 and 15. And already it's 16 and up 
are eligible. So yes, you can get your vaccine. Anyone in the county is eligible for the vaccine, except unfortunately, the the children under 16 years old. Okay. And that's coming soon. That's good to know. Thank you so much for your important work. I'll call the proper proper number right, right. now and make that donation. Thank you, thank and you, thank so you much. for your donation. Wonderful. Absolutely. Take care, you guys. Take care. 895-2233 is the pledge line. 895-2233. And I am hearing those phones ringing out there. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi there. I have a question for each of your guests. Go for Um, it. The first one is, um, have all our sheriffs been vaccinated? The second one is um, how many individuals in the county have been fully vaccinated with those 70,000 vaccinations? And finally, can somebody who has survived, or should somebody who has survived um, testicular cancer um, within the last few years get vaccinated? And I'll take my answers, responses on the air. Thanks so much. Great questions. Thank you. So I will happily start and tell you that we have, in fact, offered vaccinations to all of our sheriff's departments, all of our law enforcement departments throughout Mendocino County, as well as any other first responders. Uh, So they've all had access to it. We've made it available. It is certainly a personal uh, choice, but I know that many, many, many of our first responders, law enforcement have all been vaccinated. And uh, so certainly it's been available and been utilized. And Dr. Corrin, I will certainly turn to you for uh, the other two questions. You're on, on that unmute you're on mute. button. Yeah, there right. you go. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I think the question is how many people in our county have been fully vaccinated? And uh, the answer is 43.3% have been fully vaccinated. And uh, I usually multiply that by 70,000. I don't have the number right off the top of my head. So let me just go ahead and do that because we have 70,000 people in the county who are over 16 years old. So that's like 30,000. You may be faster than me then, John. (laughs) 30,310. Thank you. So that's the number that have been vaccinated in our county at this point. And the third question, someone remind me, sorry. Uh, testicular cancer. Testicular cancer, yes. So people with cancers do have uh, potentially a residual immune problem, uh, but the advice is for sure to get vaccinated. In fact, a person who's recovered from cancer or even has cancer may have more difficulty fighting it off than the next person. And there's no what we call contraindications. There's no reason not to get the vaccine if you have had cancer. If you're on chemotherapy at this point for cancer, you should check with your doctor because some of the therapies, uh, even if it's long-term therapy, can interact with the vaccines themselves and make them less potent. There may be other advice from your own doctor. But if somebody has is past the treatment phase for cancer and has survived cancer, there's no problem with them getting Pfizer or Moderna? No. All right. Thank you for that. All right, the phone lines are open here. I'm going to differentiate. We're going to I'm going to put out the the on-air phone number. That's 895-2448. I know many of you have it in speed dial. <laughs> 895-2448. And then the pledge number is a different number. Let's take our next call. Hey caller, you're live on the air. Yeah, I am a question. Um is there any attention being paid or any information available about those of us who felt really sure that we had COVID in January and early February a year ago. I know I went to Bechtel Creek and two physicians there wanted me to get tested. They called public health and very early on public health apparently had to authorize the testing of each and every person in the county who was to be tested, and they said no, that my temperature was not high enough at that time. So I'm just curious because I know that the numbers 
there there's a lot of talk about the fact that COVID came through Mendocino County before March and April. So I'm just wondering if I I don't know how you would uh, collect statistics, but um, uh, is there any any attention being paid to those of us who felt we had it really early? And I'll take my answer on the air. Thank you. So I don't know why you refused to test before, except that I think that there was a point where tests were also scarce and they wanted to be sure that the testing was going for people um, for whom we could make a difference. Um, so that may have been the reason at that point. At this point, if you were to get tested, uh, it should be negative because you've gone way past that time when the uh, uh, then there would be any material from the virus left in your blood. However, if your body has responded to a virus, they can look at the immune globulins and see if you have had some evidence of the disease. The problem with that is that there are no agreed upon numbers, but if they found some, then they could give you a qualitative answer. In other words, they could say yes or no, but not how recently or how immune you are now. And remember that an infection doesn't carry as long-standing immunity as a vaccine, which is why we're recommending that people who had the infection still get vaccinated because the vaccine we already know lasts longer. I'm sorry, the immunity from the vaccine lasts longer than immunity from the disease itself. So if there's questions or concerns, then I would say go ahead and, and uh, uh, ask your primary care provider for an immune globulin, but that's a very expensive test and it's not going to give you an awful lot of information for yourself. You would still be susceptible to the, uh, to the um, infection and uh, how immune you are, we couldn't measure by giving you a number of the immune globulin. It's, it's, a, it's a, really a test that's used more for research. I've heard a lot of folks in the community with this same question. This is a very, very common question. The idea that uh, either I've heard it as early as November of 2019 that there was a wicked virus going around and a lot of folks suspect that they they had COVID before. And I have felt for a long time that this is unlikely. Um, what do you think about, like, I, in fact, the first question I asked Dr. Dewan at the press conference in March, March 9th, I believe it was, of 2020, uh, before any documented cases were discovered in, in the county, was if it was here already, we would be seeing clusters of strange pneumonias at the at the hospital, right? That there would be some indication that COVID was traveling around in our, in our community in a much more widespread manner than it was at that point. Um, what do you think about that? Can you correct me if I'm wrong about that? And, and what would you say to people who are convinced that they, they did have have it as early as January and February. Is that possible? It's possible. The testing wasn't that um, um, frequent among, you know, prevalent. We didn't do as much testing, so it's possible it snuck in. Um, it seemed like it followed a very slow increase in the number, in the contagion, in the numbers of, of uh, cases that came up. And remember, a mild case of COVID is like a mild case of the flu. It's that it can get much worse that we worry about it. But so can a flu, which is why we vaccinate people against the flu. Um, but this really spread through the country and it's spreading through the world at a, at a, a very different pace. And the consequences are terrible. So, uh, you know, more than that, I, I really, I can't, it's speculation. Right. There may be research going on that's pulling data from a year and a half ago to see where it was. And I, it wouldn't surprise me. But it takes a while to, to gather that information. How, and how how would they determine that definitively? That there was that, that where the cases were and where they spread, and you know how would how would we ever know? Well, you know that's what researchers do. They design research, and they probably would use what we were talking about with immune globulins, and say let's get a reasonable sampling of this community, and they would define the community, and they would say how many people they're going to test and what tests they're going to do, and what's the sensitivity of that test, like immune globulins. Uh, and while they may not know how much immune globulin causes real immunity or leaves real immunity, they may be able to say, well, this was an exposure. Uh -huh. And if there's been no exposure since, you know, then they wouldn't know it. 
Another way they do that, and they are starting to do that in some cases now, is actually do that kind of surveillance testing uh, through blood banks, just sampling the blood that's in blood banks. Because immune globulins is not a, a nasal swab, it's a blood sample. So there's a lot of tricks that researchers have. Um, and it's I, I actually like to look at their methodologies and read it because they dream up some incredible stuff, including the statistical analysis and interpretation of the results that they get. But I don't have that at, at my fingertips. All right. And as promised, Becky has got the, the fact that I had asked about earlier of the date of our first case in Mendocino County. Yes, the date of our first case in Mendocino County that was identified by a positive test is March 12th of 2020. March 12th. And since then, as, as I shared, uh, we have had almost 4,000 positives, so we are at 3,998. Um, but certainly, we, we encourage everyone to continue to get tested uh, so that we can uh, continue to identify positives as they are available. Uh, and it was a very scarce resource initially to, to access testing, so uh, we've done a lot of work over this past year to make that available to our community. Yeah, both testing and vaccines, and now both of them are available on demand for free to anyone over the age of 16 uh, for in the case of vaccines who wants them and there's no reason to to wait anymore there's no reason to imagine somebody else needs to be ahead of you in line it's just free for all now everybody go get your vaccines and we really appreciate dr corin and becky emery being on the line and i have a question for dr corin is we're in the orange tier what do you see the possibility of moving to the yellow tier. Okay, in two minutes or less. Well, we are definitely going to move to the yellow tier. I don't know when, uh, but we have had one week already of yellow tier statistics according to the state. So conceivably, the following week, if we have yellow tier statistics, that is less than two cases on average per day per 100,000 people or for our size county, less than 12 cases in a week, uh, then we'll will be in a yellow tier and there's a little bit more openings available in that and again a lot more can be opened much wider if people get vaccinated so push for vaccination very good that's great news all right well thank you so much we're going to say goodbye to dr corin and to becky emery thank you thank you for coming on this hour really really appreciate it thank you so much alicia thank you for all you're doing and we will hear again from dr corin uh 5 uh, 5 a.m. Monday morning with the Spanish coronavirus update brought to you by El Punto and Jackie Orozco. And he'll be on Mendo Latino as well on Monday morning at 9 o'clock with with an update on vaccinations in the community. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.